All right, guys, we're diving into one of the six criteria. Todd, do you remember the six criteria to be no an effective idea. coach? N- no idea. Forgot them all at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my analogy when we give the level two lecture um, is kind of like trivial pursuit. You know those pieces where you have to have all six to win? I thought that was bingo. No, it's not bingo. It's trivial pursuit. You and Todd only ever get the sport piece. You fail at all the other knowledge. The you, get, you get the the sport piece. Oh, because we because we we're athletes. You know, there, there's sport. <laughs> athletes. There's typically history. There's maybe this music. is when this is the nerd making fun of the jocks right now. Oh, yeah, you guys don't know trivial pursuit. <laughs> well, anyway, there's six criteria. If so, let's go over them really quick. The ability to teach, see, correct. There's presence and attitude, demonstration, and then the one we're going to speak about today, group management. But Todd, if you had to, which would you say you are best at? Uh, Yeah, that is a good question. uh, For me, it's an easy answer. I don't know why. I know presence and attitude because you're not very good at anything else. (laughs) Garbage. I know that is. Are you giving me a compliment that I'm really good at one, (laughs) or is it that I'm really bad at five? This this is the opposite of a poop. This is the opposite of a of a what is it? A compliment sandwich where it's good, bad, good. This is like just a uh, just a bad sloppy Joe. You're just like you're just not good at any of them except for that one. Just a mess. So which is yours, Todd? Uh, I would say probably either, I don't know, teaching or group management, probably. Fern? I, would, I think I would go with – I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it would be biased. I, I would – I think I do a good job with group management, but it's, it's, I think that's just come with reps, and I think I see incorrect, but like I would probably say teaching and, and group management, I think everybody could always be better at, at seeing and correcting. I don't, I don't think anybody's ever got that one like completely dialed in. Why are you whispering? Me? Yeah, do you, are you like trying to be provocative in this, the way you're talking about group management? Like what's going on over there? Do you, is he whispering, Todd? I was no, in, I don't think I was so. in deep thought. Yeah. Do you want me to whisper to you? Is that, is that where you're at now? You're locked down in COVID. You want me to whisper into your ear? Is that what makes you so good at teaching? You whisper? Yeah, you're Rod. good at this. Say you're good enough. You're smart me. enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. So, so let, let, let's dive into this idea of group management. Do you think CrossFit was the first fitness company to really recognize like, hey, you need to be good at this? I don't believe no. so. Wasn't there step classes beforehand and yeah, I was gonna say jazzercise and, all, and all the yeah. rest of that stuff? But isn't where, that where a little different where it's kind of like, sure, there's groups, but you're basically choreographed where, you know, a CrossFit class isn't choreographed and there's always so many moving parts and people at different places within the hour where in a step class, for example, it's like, all right, we're starting, you know, we're all in the same dance routine. Yeah, but there was, I mean, there were boot camps and stuff like that beforehand. I don't, I don't know that I was involved enough in all the different facets of fitness for me to say that CrossFit invented the group class. In fact, I don't think they did. Um, but calling out the categories of, of the areas of where you need to excel to be an effective coach, especially in this kind of environment, I think obviously they're the ones that highlighted that. And if, 
and brought attention to each of those criteria um, and also provided a lot of the content and information on how to how to get better and how to learn how to excel through that. When you look back on your beginning as a coach, do you think you've improved when it comes to group management? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is, that just, is it something you, you know, for me, I think group management for, from my perspective out of the six has kind of just been like one of those that slowly improves as you get better at the other things. But have you specifically spent time improving your group management? And if so, what have you done? I think one thing that like I'm able to look at things and logistically think through flow and stuff like that. And that's just, I think just a way that my brain works, um, which has been good, but where I've been able to really work and get better, obviously the logistics and flow, you try something, it doesn't work very well, or you try something and it ends up blowing up and you're like, I need to account for that next time. So experience in that, in that sense has, has helped me over time. But I think the piece of group management on, um, giving every person attention through class is, is something that I've had to, to work on and be very aware of and come up with different strategies on, on how to make sure that I make it through a class. Everybody gets attention. Everybody gets feedback. Everybody gets coaching. How do I set myself up to see everybody correctly? How do I set myself up um, to give everybody praise and that kind of stuff throughout? So I think logistically, you know, a lot of trial and error, you just kind of learn as you go, as long as you have enough awareness to realize what didn't work um, or what kind of blew up on you. But then you've got to, I think, be more proactive on, on getting around everybody and providing the attention necessary to, to truly provide the, the type of experience that you want to provide for your clients. Fern, can you think of a time when you were first coaching where you're like, looking back on, you're like, this is a shit show. My group management was terrible. The first five years, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, you know, very few people are good at something like that un unless you get feedback. Like, you, I, I think just like everything, like, you, you, you know, very, nobody's good at anything, like, until they watch you do something, like, you can correct that. That needs to get a little bit better. And, I, like, I agree wholeheartedly with Todd. There's two aspects of group management. There's, there's the, I guess, if you want to call it the macro group management, like, did the group get from A to B? You know, and did we do so in a timely manner? That part, I think, and this is what I what I think most new coaches could get better at the fastest because that just involves a plan. Where do I need to be and when? And just like outline that out. The hard part or the art or the skill of that is that one-on-one -on -one interaction that Todd talked about. That's what comes with the experience. But you could, you we could craft out a plan right now and we know where to get and when and, and you could probably execute something that, is pretty good. But if you have 15 people in the class and I get three individual interactions with 15 people, so make it 45 interactions while getting the entire group from A to B and everybody's having fun and I'm teaching them something, that's an entirely separate conversation. But it starts with, hey, am I organized? The logistics that Todd talked about, did I think about all of those things beforehand and try to mitigate all the crappy scenarios that I think are going to try to, or that are probably going to unfold in this 60 minute class or whatever it's going to be. So what are some things you do in advance of class to improve your group management? I think a big thing is a, writing a lesson plan and thinking through the, the logistics and flow as far as setup is concerned. So planning for 
you know, how many people are going to be in class and, 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 and making a, a plan for if it's a small number or if it's a large number. And then what are the movements and how will that make sense? Not only to set up the, the floor to where all the equipment fit, but then from there, the flow of the workout as far as the sequence of the movements and then how that'll kind of naturally happen on the floor. I've seen people, you know, set up the gym really well to where there's plenty of space, but like you're going back and forth and everybody's crossing each other and that kind of stuff. So there's also got to be, can I set up the space, but also does it go from the box to the pull-up bar to the barbell, which is in the same sequence of the, of the flow of the workout and that kind of stuff too. So um, actually spending time beforehand thinking through what class should look like, the setup should look like, what equipment's actually needed, um, where do people go on the floor, and then what happens if I end up with double the number of people in my class that I'm expecting, or what happens if I end up with half the number of people in class that I'm expecting, what, what, what changes will I make if that occurs? I think that's an interesting topic because – yeah, you're, you're used to eight people showing up and all of a sudden you have 16 or 24 and you're like, often we're like, this is a little chaotic, but we don't think about it from the opposite of, hey, we usually have eight and today we have three. That's, yeah. you know, from a coaching perspective, sometimes that's worse. Like you have to kind of force the energy out and bring it. Have you ever taught a class where you have a lesson plan laid out and say you're doing Amanda, which is you know, as we know, muscle ups and snatching. So two high skill movements and had a class of say three or even eight people that are pretty experienced and just been like, we're not going to teach anything today. Do you guys ever do that? No, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't know a single, a single person that can walk in the gym and just load up the barbell with 135 and find their height rings and just three, two, one, go like that. Doesn't... I'm not suggesting we don't warm up, but I'm just saying, Hey, we're not going to grab PVC today. We're not going to do the muscle up transition drill today, you know, warm up as you'd like to for Amanda, or here's a, here's my guide, but we're not going to teach. Yeah. I don't, I think, yeah, go ahead. I, no, that's not ever. I've, it's never happened that way for us. Cause I think there's, value in going through the bar even if you don't grab a pvc pipe i'm going to grab an empty barbell i'm going to work on some pre progression um steps of the movement to kind of grease the groove and get myself ready to rock and roll and then i'm going to add a little bit more weight continue to practice the movement a little bit more weight get up to the working weight now i will say that there's like i have adjusted my progression over the course of say i coach two or three classes in a row based on my clientele if i've got you know more advanced athletes maybe we go right into we work through the progression till we get to a point to where it's like a hang snatch and we go right into like a hang squat snatch whereas with a class that has the majority of people being new we're going to do a hang power snatch into an overhead squat and slowly but surely work them towards dropping under the bar so i'll make some adjustments to the progression that i'm using but i don't ever not teach people something that's what they're paying me for not just to use my equipment and to work out that's where i think it becomes a, a little bit more imperative to understand the group and know your audience and say okay well these people they know how to do the movement can i give them the added value of okay well let's talk about cycling this barbell 
like that you're not typically going to cover in a newbie class and, and, and scooping the knees out of the way on the return down so that I can have a smooth bar path, bringing the bar back down to the floor. And then, uh, you know, talk about the weird little nuances of, you know, re-gripping the hook grip on the way back down and how you should do that and then stringing bar muscle-ups together. That's where I think you can continue to challenge those athletes who are the ones that typically leave and go find another gym that has sexier program because you just are no longer adding value to their day anymore. You're just like, oh, well, you know how to do this, so I don't need to take you through the Bergner progression. We could all agree no, that isn't correct. However, maybe we could fast forward through that progression and get to something that is a little bit more challenging for them, you know, because that's what they want to do. Well, I think that's an important aspect of group management that gets overlooked is knowing your audience. And I know for you guys, myself included, when we teach the day one workout at at the level two, it's often like, Hey, we're trying to throw in something a little sexier, like for insane, like, here's how you regrip because we've all done, you know, bring it to the knees, bring it to the pockets type of thing enough times. What can I give you that you've not worked on before. But so I think I think that's a that's an un that, that that's just an issue that I see a lot in in the space in general is that people that are quote unquote experienced are people that have been doing this for a long time and just because you've been doing this for a long time it means you're doing it well and what I find over and over again I mean Jay how long have you been doing CrossFit for? Was, uh, wow, like almost 14 years. Say, because I'm 12. 14 years. And every time we work out, what do I say about your movement? How great it is. How <laughs> proud you are of me. Yeah, definitely not the case. And that's the thing is like, I think too often we, we think we need to get to this sexier piece of the, the thing, the, the uh, progression when in reality is, is like people need fundamentals. Like, I'll be honest with you, the worst movers in my gym are the people that move to my gym from other gyms 90% of the time, not all the time, but 90% of the time, because they've been doing CrossFit somewhere else and probably not paid as close attention to the fundamentals to where it's like, we need way more time teaching you the right position of your squat, teaching you your deadlift, teaching you your press, like going through the, the snatch example we're talking about. Setup positions are typically not very good. Shoot, your foot positions aren't very good. People don't hold the bar in the right place. And I don't care how long you've been doing this. Like, very few people need the nuanced, advanced stuff, in my opinion and from my experience. I think more people need to push their knees out a little bit harder and get their hips in the right place and all that kind of stuff. I don't disagree with you. However, I think there's the, there is something which I know you already know this, Todd. Think I, I like to think of it like when I was playing basketball. It's like, yes, we need to run through this play a million times. We need to do all the ball handling drills. We need to do all of that. But so, at some point, as an athlete, I'm just like, hey, can we just fucking scrimmage for a little bit so I can like have a little bit of fun here and, and just throw down a little bit? And I think, no, I don't think and, – and any coach or any athlete knows it. You're not going to get good by just scrimmaging. Like that is a recipe for disaster. However – it does keep me mentally engaged and it keeps me a little bit hungry because like if you dangle that carrot in front of me, I'm like, okay, we'll get to use some of these skills a little bit instead of just waiting for game day. And that's, and that's where I think you can, you know, you can pick and choose where you let people scrimmage in air quotes, you know, in the, in the CrossFit space. But I do think it's, it's a limited 
number of scenarios, right? I, I do think it has to be a class that has zero new people. It needs to be a bunch of people that have been there for a while that you, that you pretty much trust their movement and know how to get after a little bit. And then I think you can kind of take the reins off and say, all right, well, let's throw down a little bit of a challenge here and, and play a little bit with this instead of just training. Cause I mean, dude, you guys know, and I, sometimes you just, the eyes roll back in your head, even though, yes, I do need to know. I, I know I need to work on the first and second goal of my snatch, but like, see, I feel like the, the, the scrimmage, the play part is at three, two, one, go. Like that's where it's my time to do that. And, it, and my job as a coach, if you're my advanced athlete, I'm going to go up to you and go, Hey, let's try this. I need you to do this in two sets today. So, you know, as people are adding weight to the bar, that's when I'll grab you and be like, here's how you re regrip this thing on the way back down. It's, it's interesting. I've, I've, I can remember talking to coaches that are like, oh, yeah, I've got this extra class that we're working on, you know, different ways to teach people to cycle toes to bar faster or something like that. And I'm like, well, how many of your members can do 10 toes to bar in a row? And they're like, well, not very many. And you're like, yeah, that's why it doesn't really matter how you cycle them. It's like you need to teach them how to do it first, right? And they got to have the capacity to do it. I, I guess I just find that there's less athletes that are at that level um, than, than maybe people think they're at that level. Um, or that's the oh, that I don't that. disagree with. No, I think you're spot on there. I'm, I'm just, if I had to like quantify it, and this number is not a real number, but I would just say like of, of 100% of the time, 10% of it as an athlete, like I would just want it to be a little bit loose or just be like, now, as a coach, you choose when that is, and you choose the workouts, and, and it's, it's yeah. all dependent on the environment. But sometimes I think it's totally fine to be like, fuck it. Let's just play around here a little bit and, for, and forego this progression. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But well, that can't be also, the majority of the time. There's yeah. the idea of knowing what your athlete needs and giving them what they want, too. Like, the three of us understand if I take a class at drive, we're going to grab PVC. Todd's going to hammer these positions and I can understand it and appreciate it because I know I need it and I know the importance of it. But most but people, I'm still going to, I'm still going to be like, Ugh. yeah, I'm still going to, you know, be bored out of my mind, but most that's because really you just want to be riding that. a Peloton bike. That's, all, that's it. <laughs> I had a big PR yesterday on the Peloton. <laughs> so, but you know, so that's why when we were talking about the, the level two, it's like, Hey, we're, it's almost like you're sneaking in a vitamin with peanut butter for your dog or for your kids where it's like, you're, you're going to, you're going to get better at this. We're going to disguise it as a, you know, re-gripping the bar on the way down, but every time on the way up, we're going to coach you through it too. So I think there's a little bit of that, but. You I know, also think that you, the blend of, I, I don't think you can necessarily separate group management and presence and attitude. Right. So we've all been in a class where like, hey, we're, we're, we're drilling the fundamentals, but I'm still engaged and I'm having a good time because the coach is joking around. He's picking on me and doing all those things. So that's something I think should be. And we've all seen it where somebody's doing something that is technically spot on. But I'm sitting over in the side evaluating class, just being like wanting to bang my head against the wall because it's so insanely boring. Also not effective. Yeah, you can yeah. separate them for sure. They're just, you yeah. know. And, and, and to continue on that, you can have great group management and, and crushing the teaching of it, but have no seeing and correcting, right? If just because you know the movement and you're getting everybody to go step by step doesn't mean they're actually, you know, pulling the bar to the right spot or pulling the rings to the right position when they're doing the muscle up. So you can, for all of these, I think what you're saying is 
the best coaches blend them all well, but there are certainly people that do truly excel at one and are not very good at others. You know, for that sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've talked about it when I came on, I couldn't see shit. And it was, that was my feedback. Every internship, great presence and attitude, great this, great that. By the way, you didn't see one hip extension. Right. And it's but like anything like, like yeah, but people like you, but anyway, you can, you can hide that. So when, when we talk about group management, like Todd said, obviously you need a lesson plan, but what are some other things that we can be telling people to do now, especially, you know, we were talking about before we hit record that most people are coaching on zoom right now, you're going to get back to the box and depending on your state law or how many rules you're willing to break, like Fern, you know, you're going to have all of them three to a hundred people in your class. 85 people. We're, we're going to fast forward Memorial day Murph to this coming weekend. Fern's doing <laughs> buddy carries on day one. Everything's He's going to do Memorial day work Murph with just, it's going to be a hundred squats. 200 push-ups and 300 pull-ups is that right correct <laughs> good, yeah, good yeah. call coming back negative negatives we'll do negatives <laughs> pull ups. so well you know what are what are some things you've learned from coaching on zoom I, I think the same same rules apply as far as that's concerned especially with with um group management goes obviously you know it's not my job anymore to be responsible for logistically setting up how the the, the equipment's laid out because people are doing that on their own. Um, but making a point to say everybody's name throughout the class multiple times, checking in on them, seeing if I can get to an angle and make sure I watch their movement enough to, to see something and say something to try to correct some things. So I think the, the group management piece, as far as that's concerned, one rolls into the timeliness of what you're able to do getting through all that stuff. So your lesson plan is less about the logistics of the classroom and now more about the logistics of how much time do I have for each piece of the class? How am I going to teach a progression to people that are on zoom? Um, but then I think more importantly there is how do I connect with everybody there? Am I able to say everybody's name? Am I giving them cues? Am I giving them feedback? Am I um, giving them praise throughout the workout and throughout the class? And I think that's a big piece that we can all take away because it's pretty obvious if, there's dead time during those zoom classes or if somebody doesn't get, get anything said to them where I think it's less obvious in a true in-person environment. I think the, and I think somebody in the mentor group was talking about, they didn't realize how much their presence and attitude was suffering until they had to do it virtually where they had to, had to be a little bit more of a cheerleader than you normally would in a class, but like that's what kind of to some extent the environment requires because I'm limited. I can't physically interact with people. Um, so I think for some people, they will have gained a little bit of skill, but I do think we'll probably see something where obviously if I'm staring at a computer, movement for me has always been important, right? If you're going to manage the group, you, you can't get caught in that little coach force field, which is like you stand up at the front of the class and you never move away from the front of the class. And this is something you know, if, if, if a coach struggles to get names and get touch points on people, it's typically in my experience because they fail to move around. Like they fail to like get, you know, they, they fail to cover square footage on the floor to get to all the athletes. It's really hard to not interact with people and use names if I'm walking by them repeatedly. It's just awkward at that point. So I think coming back into the, into group classes, I just be cognizant of, you need to move because I've been staring at this computer screen for the past two months 
and being able to like just look around and see that that's not going to cut it when people come back in the gym like they're going to they're going to want that interaction you know like you know social distancing no tactile cues all that stuff i get it but you're going to need to be moving around and get to people because it's going to be virtual is not the same as in real life like it's it's real life is harder when you guys have been coaching virtually are you doing the workout with class or are you just watching I don't know, you're coaching. watching or teaching. Yeah. 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 Coaching. This isn't Peloton. <laughs> I always get mad when I'm doing Peloton once in a while, the instructor will stop to talk and I'm like, you better keep going. Like I'm still going. So, but I, I've seen it done both ways. It's a little different. I mean, I understand. Yes. You wouldn't be in a class working out if you're the coach, but it's a little different on zoom. Yeah. It's not like you can <laughs> correct somebody. I mean, you can w within reason, but it's not like you could walk up to somebody and just be like, hey, you should probably take the weight down and maybe flatten your back out and stay on your heels. But, so do you find when you're coaching on Zoom, you're th shooting out verbal cues like that, chest up, the standard stuff, and are people responding to it? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, well, Todd's Todd's classes are a little bit different than ours. Like we we haven't done so much where like we're coaching people through the workouts. We've just been doing a lot more of the teaching aspect of it and just letting people run with it after that. So, w typically ours have not looked like a screen full of people that we watch work out. Um, I think that's fantastic. That just hasn't been how ours has panned out. Like just as far as like attendance goes. So, um, we've we've made it work for us, and I think everybody's doing the same thing. Just like everybody's a little different. Yeah. Can you think of one thing you're going to take from this time teaching on Zoom back to the box? I think it's just the 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 interaction with people and and um I think more of a it's been a lighter interaction to some degree. I think sometimes you can get into the business mode of running a class and trying to be super effective whereas just with the stress of everything going on recently it's like it's we've taken the opportunity to have a lighter interaction. Um, and I think people respond well to that. So to try to continue to do that, making sure we're interacting with people and just keeping it light and all that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think, I think that both of you guys know this because, because you've been on camera before for different things, whether it's producing content for HQ or, or just nutrition stuff. Todd's but I think, porn, porn career. That's right. Um, so, but I think that <laughs> I think that uh, I think what a lot of people ha have not experienced in that world is that presentation matters. And I think when somebody does put a camera on you, you become painfully aware of how good or bad that presentation is. Like, do you stumble over your words? Are you saying too many words? Are you is there dead space? So I think a lot of people, uh, again, I think if you're evaluating yourself fairly, like should be improved as far as the presence and attitude presence and attitude and maybe even their teaching um, i think i don't know what it comes from coaching for sure but then also i do believe our experience on seminar staff the three of us and most people on staff if you're like hey i'm going to shoot something you know here we go three two one put up your camera they're like cool let's roll they, we do you guys meet a lot of people we're like hey i want to do a quick interview whether it's a box member or something they're like what, what, you're going to film me? And we forget, you know, and I think all coaches can attest to that. It's like, because we're basically public speakers, we're so accustomed to just being willing to talk. Have you guys, I, I know. Oh you know, yeah. No, like this, we went through this when we started doing our uh, Instagram wad briefs 
that we post every night with the workout. When we first started doing that, I would see coaches for 30 minutes trying to shoot a 60 second video because they just could not get their cells themselves together in front of the camera. I was like, you can do it in front of the whiteboard in front of real people. <laughs> just do that right there. But it's, it's weird. Like you put a camera in front of somebody and they get weird if they've never done it before. So a little blur of group management presence and attitude, but Todd, what was, what was something you've done over the years to improve your public speaking? Oh my gosh, dude. I couldn't speak to people at all. I took, I took acting classes. I took Dale Carnegie courses. I joined Toastmasters. I've done anything that you can think of to improve your public speaking. I've done it because I literally all the way through college and grad school, like I literally couldn't talk in front of people. I would stand up and black out open so my mouth and nothing like, would come out. Knowing no you now, we, I mean, I, I've, I've heard you tell me this before, but really how bad was it? Like what's, what was the worst you can remember? So my, my freshman year of college, we're in our like intro to, I think, I don't know if it was intro to business or something like that. And the I can't like, wait hey. for this story. This is gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> the teacher's like, Hey, you guys are going to get up in front of the class and you're going to give like a five minute presentation on yourself. Like your name, your background, this, that, and the other thing. Like freestyle. You didn't like not come. No, back they the gave day. us, they, they told us they'd be, to prep for it. Like the class before okay. or whatever. And so we get, and you know, I think I had prepped for mine a little bit, but I was super, super nervous. And like there was a handful of the kids that were on my baseball team. So they knew me from the baseball field of like being a smart ass and talking shit to everybody and all that kind of stuff. And like the teacher starts calling people to give this presentation. People are going, it gets to the end of class and I think it's done. So mentally I'm like, all right, sweet. I didn't get called today. She's going to cut us loose. And she goes, all right, I think we got time for one more. Todd, why don't you come up here? And I freaked out. I walk up in front and like, I can't even remember anything. It was a complete blackout. Didn't say anything. It was not any good. She cuts us loose after that. I walk out the door and one of my buddies from the baseball team immediately walks out and was like, what the hell was that? Who are you? Like, where did that freaking come from, dude? It was like the complete opposite of who I was anywhere else. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I remember one time in my master's program, it wasn't me, but a girl basically had the same thing. I forget what the even class was, but she just turned blotchy. Like, yeah, I'm her sure skin, the she got hives. <laughs> got hives. Like, <laughs> watching thing, her dude. talk, like, broke out in hives, and we were all just, like, and, like, stuttering. And, like, the, I knew the girl a little bit, but I was, like, what is, like, I think that was one of the moments where I was like, I don't want to ever be like that. Like I need to be able to talk in front of people and because I was a trainer at such a young age, but what are some, so you go on, take these classes, but Fern, what are things you did, especially getting on staff? Cause I think for, for the three of us, that was probably the biggest moment we can look back on and when our public speaking took off. For me, it's always been rehearsal and uh, like video or audio analysis right so like you know growing up playing basketball I watched a ton of video of of game film and stuff like that and doing self-analysis trying to pick up tendencies like what do I do when I'm about to do this so I can try to figure out if a defender is going to do that and it's, it's no different from a coaching standpoint if you're if you're doing public speaking trying to figure out what your tendencies are and I, we've all been there like you know, somebody says, Hey, you know, you have a safe word or this is it. So you get rid of that one. And then for whatever reason, another one pops up and you aren't even aware of it until somebody's like, 
somebody says, you say right a lot or like or nice or whatever. We've all had that over time where you just say this because it's a filler word. So I think that and then you just constant rehearsal and for me, writing it down is a big deal. Like I, ha I really do better when I can write down the, the, the actual words I'm going to say and instead of just like reading some, you know, reading through the content and then, and then going through it myself, I, I will literally write down the words that I'm going to use, whether it's my story, like word for word, and then I'll try to execute it there just to get a dry run on it. Uh, because we all know it, it never, you have an idea of what you want to say in your mind and it never comes out that way when, if you just like let it flow, unless you have a lot of practice. Well, I think for all of us, we've given, what are there maybe 17 lectures in on both the level ones and level twos in total. And we have Probably, the ones yeah. that we prefer to give. And it's typically because we know it the best. Yeah. Or, or we like the content the most. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, but, but I mean, meaning it's just like, all three of us, I can say, can give the what is CrossFit lecture right now, you know, and, and do yeah. deliver it well. Where we also each have a lecture that we're like, we would struggle on right now, primarily because either the content doesn't resonate as much or we just don't know it as well. But like you're saying, Fern, the more you know something, the better you're going to, I mean, that's step one. Be confident and know the content. The other thing that I, that a book that helped me tremendously because it just framed how I, looked at giving presentations was talk like Ted. I don't know if you guys have read that book. Mm -mm. It's a, it's a fantastic book. And, and one of the things they talk about is I don't remember the exact time frame, but I think Ted talks are typically like 17 minutes. I think that's like roughly the, and what they found is that the most effective Ted talks have a, have a pretty uh, defined number of words meaning like in the whole speech, it has this number of words, meaning like the, the person giving the talk can effectively and smoothly give the content and, it's, and it flows well. Um, so that was very interesting to me. And the other thing that honestly has helped me in the lectures is learning to tell a story. There's a story I know, like where I always struggled was the transitions. Like in any lecture I ever like stumbled around on, I stumbled because I failed to make the transition from one topic to the next and figure out how to do so smoothly. Once I could figure out the transitions, my lectures improved immensely. And it was, it was not about the content. It was, it was purely about the transitions from topic to topic. I think the technique lecture is a great example of that where that one like is six a, those different are, and there's tough transitions to, there. Yeah, yeah. That you're trying to weave together. Well, what else would you say? I mean, because, you know, this is, like I said, somewhat presence and attitude. But for me, when it comes to improving your public speaking, it's talk slower. Yeah, I think there's a tendency of a lot of people, especially early on when they're really nervous to to talk quickly. So I think there's there's different tricks and things that you can do, like being being OK with pauses, like planning in just like just like Fern said, I think I went from not being able to talk in front of people to being able to write up something, memorize it, and then spit out exactly what I memorized. But like if somebody asked me a question or if I got thrown off, I couldn't think while I was on the spot. So in those ones where I started like writing and memorizing my, my presentation, I would have to deliberately put pauses in there to make myself slow down and pause and stuff like that. And then over time I got to the point where I can talk and actually think on my feet and not just be a, 
brain dead up in front of people and stuff like that. Um, Where else are we going with group management? You know, people are going to start heading back to the boxes soon. Like you've discussed, people are teaching on Zoom, which is very different. So let's give a few actionable pieces as we try to do on episodes like this on what they can do to be prepared, but then also to improve as the weeks roll on and things get back to normal. I think like we've talked about already, make sure that you're, you're creating that lesson plan. I think that's going to be more important now to be super deliberate on layouts and logistics, especially because there's going to be more than likely there's going to be some stipulations on how you, how much space is allotted in the gym and based on the amount of cleanup you're going to have to do and stuff like that. So you're going to want to lay things out beforehand. Um, so you want to write that lesson plan. You want to write up the flow of class. You're probably going to want that to be as efficient as possible because that's going to limit the amount of exposure one person has to the next. That's going to, that's going to limit the amount of cleanup that you have. Um, and then I would, I would recommend that people set a goal on how many times they're going to say somebody's name or say something to people. Like, like make a goal. All right, if we're limited to 10 total people in the gym, that means it's going to be me and nine people. Can I make it a goal to say everybody's name four times over the course of the class that I've got with them? Um, so that way you're, I think you're a, trying to hold yourself accountable and, and giving, your some, giving you something to strive for as you go through this. I like yeah, that. I, I was going to agree with that. It needs to be intentional. Like you need to walk in there with like, I have to something specific to do in this class. Yeah, I mean, and if you're unable to do that while you're coaching, you could have one of the athletes do it, you know, keep a tally or if a coach is around, the owner's around, you know, write everyone's name down and just tick it off every time you do it. I think that's probably one of the best easy ways to improve your group management and actually make it measurable, observable, and repeatable. Agreed. Cool. Well, the other thing is like they'll end the line. It's just like we're gonna. I'm gonna try to do this uh, this weekend. Is get the coaching staff in there and just practice a little bit. How like, are you gonna do that? Each other. We're probably just gonna come and do like a group workout, but we'll just uh, probably like have a couple people teach different aspects of it, just just for fun. Nothing super structured, but getting people back into the rhythm, knock some of that dust off. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's gonna be interesting their first day back. But I think you know, obviously, if for those of us that have been doing it for years, it'll, it'll come back quickly, you know, like riding a bike, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it'll happen soon. I mean, I know Fern's been running classes the whole time, but <laughs> for six no, weeks we, now. we did get, we did get an open date though. What's when your open that? date? Well, the essential business is May 15th. And our gyms in so. there. I don't know. His is. Yeah. <laughs> it's essential for he's, he's, he's changed his, his, his business name to essential business yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no it's the name we're definitely essential essential essential, essential crossfit literally how could i listen that's not my fault it's confusing it's just, essential you know, business crossfit just sell a couple bottles of beer out of it and you'll be good right? liquor stores have stayed open they're essential so trying to get multiple, trying to get multiple citations, one for selling alcohol without a liquor license now. Yeah, exactly. Just give it away. Just give it away. No problem. There you go. Free beer, free beer. Well, good stuff, guys. One of the six criteria important to touch on group management. Looking forward to seeing boxes open and to get back to, you know, co coaching others and, and forging elite fitness as we do. Well, or, or forging mediocre fitness in Todd's case. <laughs> let's look at the open leaderboard to see how that pans out mine's mediocre what does that mean for yours so we, 
last question. You think we're going to wind up judging this year? The three of us have judged the last five years or so. There's going to, they're going to need judges in aromas. Right. I know my name is on on the list proposed. Your name is on the list? Mm-hmm. That was submitted. Oh, listen to this. like, hey, proposed. This is like. Who, yeah, who are you talking to? Boz? Nicole? Who is it? Don't you worry about it. Greg? Yeah, don't worry about it, Greg bro. Glassman I, give you the call? I, 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 I know your name is not on the list because they need high performers. <laughs> yeah, that's like literally high performers in your. <laughs> hey, Nicole Torres reached out to me. <laughs> she told me that. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was watching um, UFC is coming back this weekend in Jacksonville and the fights, two of the fights are at 135, you know, so it's a lightweight class. And I'm like, oh, those guys are my height. And then I was looking at one of the guys' height. He's 5'8". I'm like, that's not short. 5'8 is tall. But anyway... I'm looking forward to that as well. But we'll be back later this week with another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback we are grateful and we appreciate it we are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself and it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you so if you haven't already please subscribe to our youtube channel season one of dropping in is out we are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out leave us a comment on there head over to our instagram give us a follow like our pictures, feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us best hour of their day at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.